Hello, I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley, and I'm her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Heidi and I want to welcome you to Open to Hope Conversations, the podcast. We believe that the greatest gift you can give yourself after a loss is hope, using this moment to connect with others who have not only survived, but thrived. So let's get started. Welcome to the Open to Hope Show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my partner and co-host today, Dr. Frank Powers. Thank you. Well, Frank, thanks so much for being on the show today. My pleasure. We're going to have a great guest and a great discussion because we're going to be talking about expectations of spouses after a loss. And there are a lot of them. We're going to find out from this great book. We're going to be interviewing Jill Johnson. Hi, Jill. Hi, how are you? Good. She's an MSW and a licensed social worker, and she is co-founded the Central Counseling Service in Riverside, California, and she has written a wonderful book called The Rebellious Widow, A Practical Guide to Love and Loss. And Frank, unfortunately, Jill has, uh, I've lost one partner, Phil, in less than a couple of years. You've been divorced, but she has been widowed twice. Yeah, I know. A lot of experience. And I'm married to the funeral director who took care of both of my previous wives. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Frank and I are also writing a book a bit different than yours. And it's, I hope our book is as humorous as yours. Yes. because you, I you, have you, no doubt. You did a great job with it. Well, thank you. I wanted it to be something that was really good for anybody for any I'm loss. Impressed. I know you met my daughter, Rebecca, at ADAC, the Association yes. of Death Educators. And she was just so impressed with you and brought the book. And she's like, mom, you've got to read this book. It's it's for you. Because I had been recently uh, widowed at that time. And I had dated really early on, uh, probably after five months to someone I met online in a grief group because of COVID. Wow. Let's talk uh, <laughs> talk about some of the things that comes up with that. I you mean, broke all the widow rules. Every last yes, one of isn't them. Isn't that wonderful? Good <laughs> for you. So did I. <laughs> she followed your book and she had right? to the number. <laughs> I, I don't know why, but you say people need to do it their way, right? Right. It's yeah. up to you. It is your loss. And particularly if there's been an ongoing illness, we know that most folks who lose an intimate partner after a long illness, they've done their grief in the anticipatory piece. They've done all, you know, that's where Kubler-Ross's stages belong, not in a linear fashion, but they belong right. over there. Yeah. After a loss, if you've done all the anticipatory grief, that funeral, memorial service, whatever it is, even during COVID is a lot of, okay, I've, I've, I've reached the last hurdle. Now I need to figure out where I'm going in my world. And unfortunately, those of us around us who have not been the one who shared the bed with that partner for all those years and during the dying process, they're not where we are. And so they try to apply all those rules to us because it makes them uncomfortable and they don't like what we are doing. But they need folks need to understand one loss is 25 different losses for 25 people. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and 25 links. People don't understand that and the perspective right. that you have and they have are different you know i was married for 60 years and uh but my husband as you said over the last 
probably seven years had been declining in health and having surgeries. And he finally died of a staph infection, but his body was pretty much done by the time, by the time he died. And sweetly enough, when he was in his last stages, he said to me, you will be with somebody again. And I said, oh, no, I won't. No, I won't. No, I won't. <laughs> he said, oh, yes, you will. And, <laughs> and he was right. <laughs> and he'd be happy for you, yeah. you yeah, know, because a, a partner who says those things would be happy for us on the other side. I play golf. And so I belong to a golf club. And I knew that people were talking about me behind my back, but nobody said anything to me <laughs> out front. Really? Nobody? Uh, my kids. Oh, okay. okay. Yes, they were the only brave ones. Yeah, no, <laughs> hey, I had lots of people. <laughs> there was a lot of a lot of chat, and then there were a lot of people who vote with their feet. Yeah. Out they go. A lot of raised eyebrows. Talk about some of the rules for, yes. for widows. Oh, oh, the grief rules, then the widow rules, and they're interchangeable other than widows have a special rule which says you will not remarry. Caveat, unless your family wants you to remarry, in which case you're supposed to remarry. But most families don't say that because the grief <laughs> rules are... They're these things that make everyone else comfortable with your grief. Right. Right. That's right. And then they apply to new partners because new partners have to follow the rules and make everyone comfortable about the fact that they're the new partner, even though the family and the friends may not want you there. And so it's this crazy, like I've got whiplash thing that goes on, but it's basically you, you can't smile too much because then we think you don't miss them enough, but don't not smile because then you make us feel sad and then we're uncomfortable. You know, don't talk about them because it makes us feel weird, but do talk about them because otherwise we think you forgot them, <laughs> right? Don't make any changes for a year unless we oh, think you should so make right. changes, right? <laughs> I have a dear friend who's a hospice nurse. She was a hospice nursing supervisor when I knew her. She's a dear friend, best friend of my second wife, Casper. She came home from her husband's funeral and a friend had left the funeral earlier, come in and taken all of his clothes out and donated them to Goodwill while she was at the reception oh because God. they felt like it was important for her to not come home to those clothes there to remind her that her husband died. Oh wow. my gosh. Wow. Like wow. seriously, <laughs> right? You don't think when she goes to bed at night and he's not there, she's not going to remember that he's dead. Seriously. Right. 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 And then of course, for widows, you do not, you do not date. And if you do date, go at least 30 miles from home. So <laughs> nobody will know you. And don't let them park their car in your driveway. Oh, no, no. <laughs> and I lived on a cul-de-sac with 10 houses. Hiding a car is impossible. <laughs> I, it, it was funny. I, I With uh, the partner I was with, he played golf. And that, that was really our major interest. And his wife had died two days after Phil. So we were just in a grief silo. I mean, you know, we were yeah. in a strange golfing grief <laughs> silo together. So... <laughs> It was funny. So, uh, you know, but my club let him be a member because he was my partner. <laughs> this is after five months. So it was very, very strange situation. But the other thing is you can be with another partner after after how many you know a year and a half mm -hmm. with one partner for a while and then come up with another partner. If you think that isn't shocking. Oh, I do know. <laughs> yeah, talk about that. Talk of that. <laughs> yeah, because when Linda, my, my first wife was dying and we'd been together 23 years when she died. But while Linda was dying, I mean, she was a nurse and she bonded to Casper. They were best friends when she died. 
because when you're sick, she had pulmonary fibrosis and then heart failure, wow. your world gets smaller, right? I'm sure your husband right. experienced that too, right? People don't want right. to come around as much. They're uncomfortable and they can't go out as much because they're too tired and right. they need oxygen and, you know, all of those things. And so she and Casper became buddies and I didn't know what I was at work, but before Linda died, she started telling everybody under the sun, Jill and Casper have to get married. And we both said, no, 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 no. Stop it. I'm, I'm married to you. Right. She's your nurse. We're, we're friends, but no. Right. Right. But it worked out and it worked out really fast because I was really tired. And um, so we went for coffee a couple of times and then Casper sent me this text message that I'll never forget that said, how long has it been since you had really strong arms around you to hold you up for once? Mm, and I went, oh, somebody gets it. Yeah. yeah somebody gets me and so we broke all the rules we were completely scandalous but i put her number in my phone under a fake name and we met 30 miles away right. and right we didn't tell anybody for a while and then folks figured it out but i was set up by linda it was like fantasy island right right and now fantasy she island's back for you by being concerned about she you. didn't want me to have to finish raising the th had three teenage daughters yes. who were all a year apart and she knew that I had my hands full and she knew that I had missed, you know, she had had breast cancer and we'd gone through a year of treatment for that. And then five years of pulmonary fibrosis, it was, it was a lot. And then when Casper developed Louie body dementia, the world got even smaller. Wow. Wow. Right. But one of the people watching what was going on with us, um, because I wrote a blog, because, you know, when someone is sick, you don't have time or energy for people. You don't want to return phone calls. And I was a social worker, for God's sakes. I didn't have energy at the end of the day to talk to people. Sure. Right? I didn't want to talk to my kids. I just wanted quiet. And so I wrote a blog. And if you wanted to know, you could know. And if you didn't want to know, that was on you. Right. But one of the people reading the blog was Stacy, the funeral director who had taken care of Linda and met with Linda. She came over and met with Casper and me to make her arrangements. And then she just stuck. And so now I'm married to her. You are not supposed to get married and you are supposed to get married. I happen to, you know, be a member of a church to be not named. That <laughs> could, I live with Frank. We are not married. And <gasps> they could be excommunicated. Yeah. Yeah. No, I have an ex, a former sister-in-law who was excommunicated by her church for living with her partner. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So, uh Yes, who knows who might knock at my door. <laughs> right, right. And the funny thing is the rules are different for widows and widowers, right? Widows yeah. are not supposed to remarry. Widowers are supposed to be available. And widowers don't like that rule either. Everybody wants to do grief their way. Right. Yeah. It's basically stop telling us what to do. It should be hands off, let them figure it out. And if they pick exactly. a partner that doesn't fit, and if it doesn't you know fit, what? Yes. You've never been a widow or widower before. You get to learn. My daughter was complaining because I said I was going to get married. And because uh, I felt like I should, honestly. And mm -hmm. then then I, Frank and I talked about it and I decided I really don't have to get married. No. <laughs> and, and it's been such a relief. <laughs> you were both. <laughs> well, Frank and I actually met online, if you can believe it. I love yeah. that. I was going to write a widow book. I decided that I had to put a chapter on online dating and I met Frank. You know, my number one concern, and this is weird. I, when I joined this grief group, I got an individual counselor and basically I was concerned that I wasn't sad enough. If you are the intimate partner, 
and you have walked through a long, particularly a long loss, mm-hmm. you are tired. You are actually bone exhausted, right? Mm-hmm. Like when I know someone's dying in my family, I go out and buy a new chair to sit by the hospital bed. So it's tall <laughs> enough so my shoulder doesn't hurt, right? There's body mechanics to someone dying and nobody tells us that. And you don't know all of the ways and you don't know, you need to have like energy drinks, not those energy drinks, the ones with the protein, right? You right. need those. Cause if you can't eat, at least get some protein in your body. So your body can keep going. We and need support in so many ways. You need to stretch. You need your shoulders rubbed. You need to go to the doctor after they die to make sure you haven't hurt yourself and that you catch up on all the health stuff you didn't do while they were sick and you were busy being a caregiver. Caretakers right? tend to have a lot of issues just because of the stress it takes. To they be- tend to die. Yes. Yeah. No, I, I had a stroke four months after Casper's oh, death. Oh, my gosh. Okay. I had a vertical basal stroke. You know, there's a lot of things that happen after a loss and you have to be able to take care of yourself. So a, a griever who's just had a loss, first, we need boundaries because otherwise everyone's going to apply those stages and people will come in and see me as a therapist. And the first thing they say is, I think I'm going crazy. The biggest thing you need is boundaries because especially for women, not so much men, men are supposed to be these powers of strength. Women are supposed to be strong, which is a stupid word, by the way. But they're also supposed to have other people make decisions for them. And the minute you give up your decision making, you give up your grief process because other people now assume they're in charge of it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They take over planning the funeral. They take over how you're going to do things. They come and clean out the closet after the funeral. They they do all the things. How do you keep ownership of your loss? First, if you know loss is coming, you plan for it. We have lots of ability to make plans. Linda wrote her own obituary. Casper wrote it with me. You plan with your partner what's going to happen for them afterward. And please, if you're dying, don't tell your partner not to marry, not to kiss, not to. Don't do that. They're human. Mm -hmm. And actually, sexuality is part of the grief process. It's if you think about it, lots of kids who lose a parent go home with their partner and they have quite a night of it because they're reengaging with life again. Exactly. It's an affirmation of being alive. It's absolutely natural. And we don't talk about sexuality anymore than we talk about grief. So we don't talk about any of it. So you need those boundaries so that whoever is doing the grieving gets to do things their way. And if you are the child, the grandchild, the best friend, you got to understand you had a different loss. Mm -hmm. Oh, I think that is so important because loss of a spouse is not a biological loss. Mm -mm. For these other people, this is a biological loss. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, it's different. I mean, it is. A, a dad a is a parent is different. And, you know, but if you're an adult child, you don't anticipate waking up to your adult parent every morning. You don't anticipate seeing them every day for the most part. You don't have those anticipations. It is the partner who wakes up every morning and their partner has died all over again because the pillow's empty. And they're the ones who spend the evening alone. Right. Or with right. the dog they just got. Mm-hmm. And always get the dog, but adopt a senior dog because they need homes too. It's <laughs> just me. Okay. So give us your last strongest piece of advice for us if we recently lost a spouse. 
Mm, keep your boundaries. Let yourself smile. Let yourself laugh. Go outside and enjoy the sunshine. It keeps you healthy. Good. And your health is what's going to carry you through. Uh, I love it. Thank well, you. Tell us where we can find you online. And you've written, how many books have you written? I have five out now. I've got okay. three children's okay. books, um, which are about really the good. loss of a pet, so the anticipatory grief of someone dying and after someone dies. And they're written with real words because I'm a social worker. And yeah. Frank, since you're a social worker, you know what I'm talking about. Um, and they and they have help for grownups in the back because grownups don't, don't know what to say about death and dying. And then there's a guided grief workbook that can be used with the therapist or by yourself, which also uses real words and is very solution focused because that's who I am. You can find everything at jilljohnsonyoung.com. Um, you can find The Rebellious Widow, including the first chapter and a downloadable free medical notebook and some worksheets for working on grief at therebelliouswidow.com. You can find me on Fridays at the Friday Grief Chat on Facebook. And you can find me on Instagram and all the other things because I'm just all over social media. Oh, uh, well, thank you so much for being on this show today, Jill. And um, Linda and Casper and now Stacy, what wonderful people in your life. And I know they're all with you and cheering you on. I, they absolutely are. And I appreciate each and every one of them and individually and together. And thanks everybody for joining on the show today. And Frank and I want to remind you if you've lost hope, please lean on ours until you find your own, and God bless. I'm Dr. Heidi Horsley. You have been listening to Open to Hope, the podcast. You can follow Open to Hope on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. To learn more, visit us at opentohope.com and go to Apple Podcasts to subscribe. I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley. Join us again next week for another Open to Hope conversation where we invite you to lean on our hope until you find your own.